You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final day of podcast for this week, and we got a lot to cover. I got a guest on in Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander. You can hear him there, and also various places on the radio down here in New Orleans, just talking overall Pelicans with me. It's a lot of fun to be able to talk hoops with Scott as well. Then we got to cover the two games upcoming this weekend because they are big. The Pelicans take on the Cavaliers in Cleveland tonight before taking on Oklahoma City in the Smoothie King Center on Sunday. All of these games are must-wins, so I'm not going to say that anymore, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in both of these and why they're that important for the Pelicans and their playoff hopes. So let's just jump right on into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander on WLAE here in New Orleans. Scott, I'm pumped you're on here. Thanks for coming on. I am fired up, Jake. There's about a week and a half to two weeks left in the regular season, and every game's a playoff game, so I can't wait for this uh, podcast to start. Yeah, absolutely. Seven games left, and look, you said it. Every game's been a playoff game coming up for the Pelicans, but they've treated really the last almost two months of the season as a playoff game, each one individually, right? I pretty much think the the mentality changed in that double overtime win against Chicago. I mean, I that's going to kind of start going back to the arena regularly and not missing a game. And, and, you know, with Boogie Cousins was still playing and the passion and the fight that I saw to win that game. And most people say it's the Bulls. You're at home. You should win that game. Well, the Bulls, they weren't quite tanking back then as much as they seem to be doing now. And they were playing hard in that game. And the, and the fight that Boogie had and the rest of the team to win it went against all odds being down 18 and even 17 with like five minutes to go or so uh, was incredible to me. And since then, they have played like every game means something. And we can't have always said that about this team. I mean, we, we've, we've kind of complained sometimes about lack of passion, but certainly in the last two plus months, they have shown that fight that we've been looking for. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have that early on to start the year. You kind of saw this team think they were better than what they really are and kind of played down to the level of competition, but that hasn't been the case now. And we've seen it with multiple comebacks from them. And you've got to give credit to Alvin Gentry for kind of getting this team in the right mentality. Well, he's playing the flow that we always expected, right? I mean, you know, you know, you, you have to play with what you have and, and the personnel that you have. And sometimes it, it just looked like the pieces weren't fitting early on. Maybe injuries had something to do with that because they were injured so much in his first year. Some of that in the second year. Uh, people expected better things early in the year. But now, and, and, and a little bit when Boogie was playing still, I mean, they were on a roll for a little bit right there. But since Boogie's gone out, this team has played with combinations, and you see more of a free-flowing free offense. You see an offense with a lot of pace. We talked about that the last time I was on, and, and they're flying around. I mean, they're diving for the ball on defense. Uh, they, you know, Obviously, they give up a lot of points, but when you score as many as, as you do, it can be deceptive at times. You're going to have to give up points when you play that fast. So it's an exciting brand of basketball, and they're in the playoff hunt, and they're even fighting for home court advantage in what late March and that's something that 
I don't think a lot of people could have even dreamed of before the season. No, it's nice to have just meaningful basketball in late March and early April here in New Orleans. Uh, I should say, you know, NBA basketball, because we haven't seen that in a little while. So upcoming, you know, they've got the Cavs tonight here in uh, in Cleveland and then OKC on Sunday. I mean, it's it's obvious to say these are must-win games, but what do you need to see out of the Pelicans to make you feel maybe a little bit more comfortable as we head towards the playoffs? Well, the first thing I want to see is that ankle. Uh, I want to see Anthony Davis, and I have to give him credit because, you know, they protect Anthony a lot over the years, and, and rightfully so. He's your future. He's everything. He's the franchise. But, you know, he gutted that out. I was right down there near that injury, and it didn't look good. He was hurting on the bench. He was in pain. You could see it. I was close to him. Or I could tell. I could tell. He said, I'm getting back in this game. And even though, you know, he was good offensively, he suffered on the boards. He suffered defensively. He gave up stuff that he normally would never uh, give up. And Damian Lillard even admitted he went right at him. So I want to see if how healthy – that's the first thing, how healthy he is running down the court and if he can play with that same intensity. Because if he can't give you, you know, full Anthony Davis for a full lot of minutes, we might be in trouble. But if that's not the case, because I've seen them also play well when he's out. It's not frequent, but they can do it. They're going to have to play better defensively, and they, they, they're definitely going to have to get the ball up and down the court and just hope their threes are falling because their, their three-point offense and their three-point defense are going to be the keys to where they're not only seated in the playoffs, but you know they don't have the tiebreaker with the Denver Nuggets, who are only two losses out in the loss column, I believe, at this juncture. Uh, i got to see you know that to even make the playoffs. So I'm not counting that my chips right now before they hatched. No, I mean, it's seven games left, and their magic number is six, so there's almost no margin for error. Essentially, winning out's the guaranteed way to get in, and you can't necessarily count on help, because if you're trying to rely on that, it's going to end up being a bad thing for this franchise. But you're right. They, no they, question. They, they need to kind of, I don't know, it's tough to kind of look at this team. Do you think, for them in the first round of the playoffs, is it for it to be a competitive series, is it more dependent on who the Pelicans play or their actual offense and defense themselves? I honestly think that this, it's so interesting when you say that, because when you talk about three through eight, and let's just say three through ten, okay, I honestly think none of these teams are scared of each other. They really aren't. I think they all feel confident that they can beat the other, and why not? Because, you know, I mean, Portland is the one team that separates themselves a little bit. Obviously, they lost that game against Memphis with Lillard out, but but the thing is, is uh, for the Pels, I mean, I was asked this question yesterday. Who would you prefer to play and who would you want to avoid? And obviously they've had problems with the Jazz. I mean, with Gobert, that's something you'd like to avoid. Can they beat them? Of course they can beat them. With Jimmy Butler in the game, if he happens to come back, Minnesota just seemed to own them this year. And Butler is, is obviously the key reason. But I don't think it's a, it's a walk in the park with any of these matchups that you get uh, but I also think that you can win them all. So I think whoever those six, three, five, four matchups are going to be, those are going to be some seriously competitive series. And whoever even faces the Rockets and Warriors, particularly the Warriors team that's probably not going to have Curry, I mean, I'm not saying they have a chance to win, but I think the games will be more competitive than people think. Yeah, if, if they were to fall to, say, seven and get matched up with the Warriors, you feel maybe a little bit better about their chances or at least not getting swept in the first round, which I think almost there is like a, a nice little moral victory for the Pelicans themselves. Looking at the, the Western Conference, though, do you think the Rockets are an actual credible threat to the Warriors' recent run of dominance? Uh, because of Chris Paul, I'll say yes, but that's a very minor yes because if, if the Warriors are full 
strength. And that remains to be seen, right? I mean, we don't know how serious this is with Curry. They're going to they're gonna rest him until they truly believe they need him. And obviously, I, I, that might even be to the conference finals, if, it, if, it, if so be it. But um, but they didn't have Chris Paul on that team, I would say no chance. You know, as good as Harden is, as good as all those pieces seem to fit for them, they are really good. But Golden State's just another level. With Chris Paul... This guy's a bulldog, and, and, and he's going to be driven. And I'm not, it's almost automatic that he's already going to go farther in the playoffs than he's ever been, which is past the second round. Uh, not saying it's a definite because nothing's definite, nothing's given in this league, anything can happen. But he's going to be in that conference finals, most likely with Golden State, and he's a wild card because his record with Houston, they, right now, what is their record, 61-14? Well, let me take. You know the record without him is just astounding, though. I mean, he's like a lot of those losses were when he didn't play, so that's the reason I give them a fighter's chance. Yeah, and also we've seen, especially last year, I think it was when the Golden State Warriors played the Portland Trailblazers. I think in the first round is maybe what it was. They they kind of struggled a little bit, even with Curry playing, but because he was banged up, and like you said, Paul's a bulldog and is one of the better perimeter defenders, at least at point guard in the league. If Curry's only seventy five or eighty percent, Paul's going to kind of be all over him. Yeah, I agree completely with that. I mean, listen. Even Rondo, if that was the seven-two matchup and the Pelicans played them, uh, he's going to. I know. I know Rondo is not going to be playing full lot in the minutes, but maybe he will at certain games because he's kind of hit, hit or miss on that. Even he will be all up with with Curry testing him, and you know Chris Paul is going to do the same thing. I mean, Chris Paul is going to make sure that he's healthy and he's going to be in his grill all game long. So, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, Curry has had problems with guards like that before, and um, I'm sure. That will be a Western Conference final for the ages if it gets there. Uh, I mean, I think we're all kind of hoping it's going to be that. And let's let it go to seven games. That's way more fun and more enjoyable playoff basketball. Absolutely, baby. You mentioned Rondo, though, and he's had kind of a weird year in New Orleans. It's been much more good than bad, but this isn't, you know, the Rondo of old that people think of. But it seems like he's still going to be rather key for the Pelicans in the playoffs. And you saw their offense kind of fall apart a little bit late in the fourth against Portland without him. I thought there was no doubt. I mean, with Rondo in, they went for a number of reasons. The offense was out of sync. Uh, you know, he keeps people in line. And most importantly, I mean, you would have had him on Damian Lillard. Not that he could have stopped him completely because Lillard was just an incredible possessed zone. Uh, but I think the Pels win that game. I truly do. And I don't know if you know the extent of the injury because I don't. I know uh, it was an issue. I talked to a couple people. But but the fact is, I, without Rondo, I'm not giving them any chance to get out of the first round with who, no matter who they play. And I know he's had a weird up-and-down year. But when he's in the game and playing well and he's, he's focused and, and he is on, in attack mode, man, the Pels are looking good. And he seemed to be that way uh, a good part of that 10-game uh, run uh, consecutive streak. Well, that, that run you know, kind of came right after he was demoted to the second unit and out of the starting lineup and seemed to respond to that. And it's just another, I think, example of Alvin Gentry doing the right thing with the rotation and pushing the right buttons with these players to get that motivation that we were talking about earlier out of these guys because that isn't something we've seen and then immediately puts Rondo back in the starting lineup after that and they go on a 10-game run and I don't think that's necessarily what sparked it but I think certainly that gets the best Rondo out of him and playoff Rondo is a very 
real thing. And when he's motivated, like you said, this guy is still a bit of a tear. But ultimately, it's going to come down to how far Anthony Davis takes this team. And since that boogie injury and since that interview when he said he needs to play with a Russell Westbrook-type mentality, which I didn't think was possible for him because that's he's never shown it, but he's kind of proven me wrong, and we've seen a different Anthony Davis, really. Let me say one more thing about what you said about Rondo because I went to those three games in a row, and it was so interesting because you had the, the two sandwich games, Dallas and, and the Lakers. The dude literally was 19 of 32 from the field. He even had a couple threes there. He had double-digit assists. One time he had 14 uh, assists, the other time 10. And one of the games he had nine, nine rebounds. And then, you know, 43 points total. But that one in between game against the Pacers, the, the better team, one of six, two points, uh, you know, kind of invisible. You know, he had a few assists, six and six rebounds. So it's hit or miss with this guy. But he, he see, Anthony Davis seems to, they, those two, being the Kentucky guys they are, when they're in together, I think Davis feels more comfortable. He's, he even said that privately to me in the locker room a couple of times. He said, it's just, a, it's just like your security blanket when Rajon's in the game, even when he's not playing particularly well. Yeah, exactly. And you just kind of need that guy there that makes you feel better on the court. And, and maybe that's part of the reason Davis is just kind of taking his game to another level. And I got asked about this today, but he's got to be in the MVP conversation. Maybe not number one. I think everyone's kind of just giving this to Harden. But I think he's going to have strong consideration for runner-up, which I think is just a good look in general still for the Pelicans. Well, LeBron's not giving it to him. I know that because he's got himself. He's always going to give it to himself, I think, every single year. (laughs) Well, he is the best player in the league. I almost feel for him in that sense. But, uh, yeah, Uh, I think, you know, you know how they do it. You know, back when Jordan was playing, they were giving it away to Malone and a few other players in between. Barkley got one. And they're going to give Harden his. You know, I think a lot of people are feeling like maybe Harden was going to get it last year, but you couldn't ignore the triple-double factor. But back to A.D., his turn's coming, and I think for the first time, honestly, the national people are saying, okay, this guy's taking the team on his back. He's living up to the promise, particularly when Boogie went down, when everybody was counting them out, because uh, Boogie was the one putting up extraordinary numbers. Of course, ADs are still great, fantastic, but Boogie was having these, these numbers for the ages, you know, the 25-12-5 that has only happened a few times in history. So since that point when Boogie went out, you know, they had that, that tough, weird period, you know, that you expected once, you know, you're one of your two leading all-star starters goes down. But ever since that point, start with those three games before the all-star break and obviously the long streak and then a little lull and then playing good basketball again last week, the entire country, uh, the guys you see every day doing those ESPN shows and those Fox Sports shows, they're on board now and they're saying, hey, this is the Anthony Davis we all expected and they're giving the respect that he's been deserving. Yeah, we've been waiting for him to kind of – he's already been amazing and a top 10 player in the NBA, but we've all been kind of waiting for him to make that leap to the top five. So is it just an absence of boogie, just giving him more shots, opening things up more to him? Is it a mentality? What's kind of changed for him to take this leap? Let me just say this, and I, it was the first time – you know, you were, you were either at or watched every one of those games last week when they, they absolutely needed a bucket by him. And he did it game after game after game. You know, all those games that they won in a row, Boston, uh, Dallas, I think it was Indiana, and then the Lakers, they kind of coasted for most part in all those games. They were down, you know, they were just playing. You know, and I understand, hey, save your energy for when it matters in the fourth. And they did it. But each one of those games, he hit big shots, fadeaways in the corner, angle shots, 
And that he had that Michael Jordan mentality where I'm going to win this game. And he's taken those shots and missed them before. And he's going to miss them in the future. But, man, he was on fire when they absolutely had to have him on fire. And that's what got – if it got my attention, it, it, you know, because I watch him all the time, but it caught the other guy's attention, like I'm saying, all the talking heads from all the big stations around the country. And that was nice to hear because he is basically saying, this is going to be my team. I kind of was deferring to Boogie. He's my guy, and I know I'm, I'm going to need him to win the championship. But we have to have some progress this year, and he's taken it upon himself to do that. Yeah, and, and the team's kind of given everything he wants out of him to get him into position to maybe even host a first-round playoff series, which is going to be a lot of fun. So before we go here, Scott, let me ask you, Miritich, the big move the Pelicans made this season trading away Omer Ashik and the – First round pick. What's gone on with him? Because he has not looked good here in New Orleans. Uh, it's it's been weird. Uh, he's had some games that you, I, don't, I truly believe there's a couple. I know that they don't win without him. Um, and I, I keep waiting to have that mode come all the time. But there lately, he's been in lost mode. I mean, it's been strange. Obviously, he didn't play in that Houston loss, but. Only 16 minutes against the Lakers, only 20 minutes against Portland, a total of seven points in those two games. And I, I don't even know what to say about it, because, but they're not going to win a playoff series unless he's hitting some three-pointers because AD is going to get double teamed when they're in the game together. I know they don't play together all that much because he comes off the bench and he kind of spells AD some, but when they're in the game together, he has to capitalize in crunch time because they're going to need his open threes because, like I said, AD is going to get double. Drew is demanding some double teams late in games as well. And Miritich has to come through. And it's not like he can't. I mean, he's had some games here. He had a stretch where he got, you know, a 24 and a 26-point game, uh, you know, in, in a stretch of three games in four days. Um, but you're right. Lately, it's been it's been weird, and, and his shot has certainly not fallen. Last time he even shot over 500 in the game was that great game he had back on March 7th. Uh, and that's when he went 10 for 12 and 4, 6 from 3 with 26 points. But literally in the dozen or so games since then, he has not even shot 500 in a single game. Yeah, they're, they're going to need just him and shooting in general if they want to try and get out of the first round. So, Scott, thank you so much for joining me here on Locked on Pelicans. But let everyone know where they can watch you with primetime sports with Scott Alexander. I appreciate that, Jake. We, we're going to go heavy pels. In fact, there's a rumor um, – by the way, Alan, Alvin Gentry came up to me after the, uh, I guess, the Pacers game. I was in the press conference, and he came right through the crowd. He said, Scott, I watch your show every Wednesday. Love it. Uh, anytime you want to be on, you want me on, I'm on. He comes on occasionally. But I think he's going to be coming this Tuesday. They're doing the picture day, uh, photo day, and, and I'm going to try to get him and check the yellow both on Tuesday as well as David Wesley. It's going to be an all-Pelican show. Our show is Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock on CST and that's the regional sports network and also uh wlae which is uh the pbs station and that's going to be six o'clock and then it replays all week long i mean we like tonight we're playing you know at eight o'clock and tomorrow as well so we got nice times and uh, hopefully we're going to be doing a lot of pels for the next month until they're out of the playoffs and ho hopefully they'll keep going as long as possible and make it great for all of us to talk about. So, Scott, thanks again. I always love it's, it's fun to kind of reverse the roles here where I get you on my show instead of me coming on your show, which I've been doing for years now. So it's always fun. Thanks again for being on with me. I love it, Jake. Keep up the great work. Thanks again to my guest, Scott Alexander, for coming on. Remember to check him out as the host of Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander. So it's a game day for the Pelicans as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we got some injury updates 
first here. Anthony Davis, after rolling that ankle in the third quarter and being a little bit hobbled, being slow to run up and down the court against the Portland Trailblazers to end the game, said the other day at practice, it feels good, feels good. I'll be ready to play tomorrow, so I don't think there's any kind of limitation or anything like that. For the most part, though, he looked very clearly hobbled. It didn't seem that bad he was able to play on it, so I think that's definitely going to be a good thing. Solomon Hill's going to be um, receiving an increase in minutes. This kind of follows the plan of what happened with Chris Middleton, where he was at 21 minutes against the Trailblazers. That should probably bump up to around 25, 26 minutes or so. And then Rondo, who's been out for the Pelicans these past two games, and they really do need right now. Uh, Gentry said, we're not sure. We'll test it tomorrow, see where he is, and then we'll make a decision accordingly. It sounds like he's basically going to be a game time decision. They'll test it out, see if he can pass, see if he can shoot um, with the wrist injury. So it's still a little bit up in the air right now. Even without Rondo, this Cavaliers game for the Pels is going to be very winnable. They had an ugly loss three nights ago as they took on the Miami Heat in a game where LeBron was fairly pedestrian, 18 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and got almost no help from the others in the starting lineup. Jeff Green with five points, George Hill with four, Kevin Love with just one. He took an elbow to the face, lost a tooth, or maybe didn't lose the tooth. It was just really loose and not where it's supposed to be, so I'm assuming that tooth has since been removed. Calderon actually had 11 points there and was the other uh, high score for the uh, for the Cavaliers out of their starting lineup. They bounced back, though, with the back-to-back uh, -back the next night where LeBron went just straight-up insane. 41 points, 8 assists, 10 rebounds, and he got 18 points from Jeff Green, 13 points from Rodney Hood. This is what you need to avoid if you're the Pelicans. Don't let LeBron get 40. If you can hold him to, say, 30 or 35 or less, and with Solomon Hill receiving an increase in minutes, I certainly think that's a realistic thing you might see from this team do. That's going to be big. They can do that. You can hold these other guys in check. Jeff Green's not scoring 18 points on anyone else here. Um, Drew Holiday can handle him, and I talked yesterday about how Drew Holiday has been great at guarding up a position, taller players. He can handle Je Jeff Green, who's been old. Rodney Hood isn't going to get going and get 13 points necessarily when you've got Drew Holiday able to switch on and off of him. Etwan Moore can hold his own there as well. And then Tristan Thompson going against you know Anthony Davis if there is no Kevin Love. It's fine. I don't think anyone's really worried about Tristan Thompson kind of beating them. That's the biggest thing. The The, the biggest concern might be J.R. Smith off the bench for them uh, as a gunner. And if he gets going, it could be a long night. But you've got Ian Clark there, who's quick enough defensively to keep up with him to harass J.R. Smith. And this is just kind of one of those games you feel fairly confident about uh, with the Pelicans being able to win. Though the Pelicans' offense has been struggling recently, the Cavaliers' defense is even worse. 29th in the league, uh, second to last. They've just been atrocious on that side of things. They give up an insane amount of three-pointers. This is maybe the game that gets the Pelicans back on track, shooting from deep after really struggling with that uh, over the course of the year. They give up uh, the second most assists per game. So even without Rondo, the Pelicans kind of need to do what they do, and that's take early shots in transition when the Cavaliers are disorganized and not set in using those mismatches to their advantage to keep that early offense, those easy, high-percentage looks at the rim and open shots going and falling for them. And then when they do get in the half-court set, don't get into one-on-one -on -one isolation situations. Pass the rock around, create open shots and you have a really good chance to win this game again there are seven games left to play and the magic number is six that's 
rough. And it's not like you've got one team in that ninth spot trying to get in, and so you only need to, if they lose, it increases, it reduces your magic number. You've got both the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Clippers there too. So if one of those teams loses, it doesn't matter if the other one wins because right now the Pelicans' goal is just get into the playoffs, worry about matchup and things like that later. For, uh, for the Pels defensively, just don't let this Cavs team hit a lot of threes. They take the fifth most in the league. They're, they convert them at a pretty good clip. Pelicans can't get into a three-point shootout with anyone right now. Plan is run those guys off the line, funnel them into Emeka Okafor and Anthony Davis down low, and let those guys protect the rim, which they've been so good at doing. But when you really look at the matchup, other than LeBron really going off, I don't think anyone's particularly scary on this team. And you've just got to wonder if if they can keep up with the Pels or even in the West Eastern Conference playoffs. But LeBron is LeBron. He thinks he's the MVP of the league. He does have a claim. He's not going to win. But certainly the things he's doing at his age are unheard of. And he has potential to go off any given night. He's also got a history of lighting up New Orleans, particularly in the Smoothie King Center. So when's on the road, it's going to be a little bit different. But this Cavs team's tired. They're vulnerable. The Pelicans need to take advantage. Try and end this game early. They didn't do a good enough job of that against the Portland Trailblazers when the Trailblazers were more or less just trying to let New Orleans win and New Orleans couldn't get to that next level of play. You're going to need to do that tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers to walk out of the Quicken Loans Arena with the W. Of course, the question on everyone's mind as we get towards the playoffs is what's the ideal matchup for the Pelicans to maybe get out of the first round? Well, we took that question and answered it over at LockedOnPelicans.com in our question of the week. So make sure you read LockedOnPelicans.com to find out the best and worst matchups for the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs. And then on Sunday, the Pelicans take on the Oklahoma City Thunder in a game with serious implications in the Western Conference playoff race. New Orleans is in fifth. Oklahoma City is in fourth as of today. That might change after tonight's game against the Cavaliers. But New Orleans is just a game behind them for fourth. So you win this one, it pulls you into a tie, and New Orleans has the tiebreaker there. So this one's big. The Pelicans need to get this because it does have implications in the standings. New Orleans has played well against OKC partially because their offense is very, very predictable. And it's easy to kind of smother that team when you have the rim protection of Anthony Davis and a guy who can hound perimeter players in Drew Holiday and then force Russell Westbrook to at least have to drive into the big men down low. That is a problem because he does draw fouls and that's going to get them to the line with easy offense. Um, And then defensively, this is a very good Oklahoma City team. Paul George is a defensive player of the year candidate we talked about two days ago, though I don't think he's been as good as um, Anthony Davis has been this season. So this is one of those ones where pace is really going to come into play. Oklahoma City kind of wants to grind this one out, get just enough points on offense, and then beat you with their defense. The Pelicans don't want to get into a half-court battle with this team because their half-court offense isn't good. Again, Early shots in transition where the Pelicans shoot well, where teams as a whole shoot well league-wide, and you can take advantage of those mismatches. Uh, Steven Adams is a guy who can defend Anthony Davis well down low. You can beat this New Orleans team by being physical below the rim and forcing them into outside shots. So to get shots at the rim, you got to do it in transition before Steven Adams is back and set. That's going to kind of be the key to this one. No big injuries for Oklahoma City other than Andre Roberson, who's been out most of the year for them. 
Of course, Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook, averaging 25.4 points per game. Paul George is right up there as well, 21.6. And then you've got Carmelo Anthony, who's not been playing particularly well this year in his kind of like third banana role, even though he's started all of his games so far this year. He's averaging 16 points. You want to get the ball in his hands and make him kind of one-dimensional. So look to see, you know, Solomon Hill maybe get another bump up in minutes. Hopefully he'll be playing around 30 minutes per game there. And make sure you run Corey Brewer off the line. He's been playing particularly well for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but this is a big one. The Pelicans have played them well, but you never know. Again, Russell Westbrook has potential to go off at a moment's notice against any team in the league. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pels. We had a big week here. We talked about Anthony Davis for Defensive Player of the Year. Make sure you listen to that podcast if you haven't. Why Drew Holiday should be on the first team all defense. Had Aaron Hardigan of Fox Sports Southwest jump on to talk about the season of team's mentality. And then today, thanks again to Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander, for jumping on with me, talking some hoops. It was fun. Enjoy the games this weekend. These are big ones. The playoff race is still going on. Meaningful basketball at the end of March is a welcome thing here in New Orleans. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday to recap the weekend.